You know, if you're visiting with us for the first time today, as Ron said, we're in a series right now. It's the end of week one of 40 days of prayer. This is the second sermon kind of in the series. Ron was the one who opened us off. But as a church, we decided to focus on this aspect of our relationship with God to begin the year with the hope that this would really revolutionize for a lot of us what our prayer lives would look like to set a tone for what God was going to do for the rest of the year. And so the title of my lesson today is simply A Beginner's Guide to Prayer. And this is the only slide in my lesson. You are actually going to have to do the footwork today, scrolling through your Bible or flipping through your app to get to the different scriptures as we go here. We're going what some people call very old school in the presentation of the lesson today. It's called A Beginner's Guide to Prayer because no matter where you feel like you're at in your relationship with God or in your prayer life, we've got to constantly go back to some of the most basic biblical truths to make sure that even in our own hearts, we continuously have this understanding of what prayer is supposed to be and what God intended it to be. So often the reason why we can struggle praying or even wanting to pray, wanting to come to God, is just because in somewhere along the line we start to misunderstand or have a misconception of what prayer is supposed to be. And how God longs for us to do this. You know, in the 12 years that I've been a disciple, I've learned some things about prayer. But one of the most powerful ones for me, because I remember as a young Christian, praying felt so awkward. Like I didn't grow up in a household where we prayed very often. We prayed for the meal. And even praying for the meal, if it came to you, which it came to me often, it it was such a, a nervous, like I felt so insecure about this prayer thing that, once I became a disciple of Jesus, I just kind of figured like, oh, that's just not my gift. Like, I'm just not gifted at prayer. I'm gifted at reading my Bible. I can read very well. But when it comes to talking to God, that's just that's that brother's gift. I'm not good at talking to God. And I had to realize that all of us are wired to pray. That human beings, men and women, are all wired to pray. God has hardwired this into our DNA. When you think about the different religions, the different cultures around the world, all of them involve prayer. Whether you're a Hindu, you're a Muslim, you're a Catholic, Protestant, Jewish, Zoroastrian, Buddhist, Jainist, what, whatever it is that you are, that culture has an element of it that involves and revolves around prayer. Now, not always necessarily praying to the right thing, but you can see how this, the need and the desire to talk to God, to reach out to eternity, has been hardwired into us. And we see this in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, if you'll turn there with me. In verse 11, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, right, Solomon writes, the wisest man on earth writes that God has also set eternity in the human heart, right? That God hardwired a, a, a wonderment of, man, what, what is beyond this life? What is beyond the horizon? What's out there? What's holding the universe together? Like these kinds of questions men have wrestled with since men existed because God put this gaping space in our hearts for himself and for that connection. You know, God gave us a yearning 
for more, a desire to connect with eternity and what's bigger than us out there. He wired us to look for him, right? When you think about so much of of what people wrestle with, man, what is the purpose of life? What is my purpose here on earth? What what is that? That's a quest for God. That is a, a longing, a questioning for, man, there is something out there that I'm supposed to be doing, that I'm supposed to be connecting to. It's universal to the human condition. And God wired this into us for the simple reason that God loves for us to talk to him. My first point this morning. Let me repeat that. God loves for you to talk to him. The creator of the universe. About anything. I feel like sometimes prayer can be so intimidating because we can feel like I'm doing this wrong. Like I'm not praying spiritually enough or I'm I'm somehow I've gone outside of the structure of what a prayer is supposed to be. I'm not obeying the rules of prayer. I'm not within the guideline. You know, it's kind of like I don't know what the rules are. No one knows what the rules are, but I'm doing it wrong. Like we can kind of feel like that sometimes you hear some brother pray and you're like, that sounds really spiritual. I bet that's the right way. I bet that's what it is. You hear someone else pray and you go, he's not praying the right way. He didn't he wasn't paying attention in class in kingdom kids. He wasn't he didn't get it. Right, yeah, we can kind of convince ourselves that God only wants to hear certain things. Like he only wants to hear you when you're super fired up because you had some kind of major victory or he only wants to hear you when things are really bad and you're like, God, I, I, I don't know what to do. I, I've run out of options, so I, I better ask you for help. Like what? That's not encouraging. Like, God, I've exhausted every other option. You're the last option, so I I need you to do something here. That's not, if you were to come up to anyone and be like, bro, I've literally asked everyone, you're my last guy. I need you. And be like, bro, go away. I'm not talking to you. That was the most discouraging thing you've said all day. Right, God does not, this is not what prayer is supposed to look like. Prayer is a relationship. This is you being able to talk to God about anything, about your interests, about how your day went, things that you like, things that you don't like, your sadness that the Eagles aren't going back to the Super Bowl this year. God and I have had that conversation many times. Right? I mean, this is the kind of relationship that God desires. In Jeremiah 29, in verse 12. The Bible reads, then you will call on me and come and pray to me. And if you're spiritual and you obey the rules, I will listen to you. Oh, that's right. That's not in there. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. God just says, come and pray to me. Be wholehearted. The next verse, you'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Be wholehearted about it, but I want to listen to you. Right? Somehow Satan can get in there and in our own heads, we can kind of twist and convince ourselves into this thinking that, man, my conversations with God have to be these scripted, strictly spiritual, strictly about this. I can't tell God what I'm really feeling. I could never tell God that maybe I'm angry at him 
or I'm having a hard time with what's going on in my life because I don't see what he's doing or I'm feeling all of the like we kind of get and we put ourselves in this box when it comes to God. That's like the person in your life, maybe a coworker. Hey, man, how's your day going? It's going good. That's the box. That's the box of your relationship. Anything outside of that, and you're like, this is really uncomfortable. I didn't ask you how your day was. You asked me. We will not go there. Right? I mean, it's, it's, it's so confining. It's so restricting. We can kind of tell ourselves, man, if I don't have something good to say to God, I shouldn't say anything at all. And we might not ever say that out loud, but that can be the way that we pray sometimes. I'm not going to tell God what I'm feeling. And our, it can stop being a relationship with God, and it can kind of morph itself into something else, into a ceremony, or into something where maybe God just becomes a part of your toolbox that you just kind of whip out whenever you need it. Like if there's a fire, if something's going on in your life, okay, God's the fire extinguisher. All right, God, this thing blew up, and uh, you got to come fix it. Or maybe God is like an ATM. You're like, well, you know what? I don't know how we're going to do this. So uh, you go to God. You're like, okay, God, I need this, and I need this, and I need this. And you push a couple spiritual buttons, and God, you're so good. And let me put in my pin real quick. And you are the Lord of lords. And just, okay, I really need $60, bro. So amen. Right? And God can kind of become that. Or even just the ritual that you kind of go through when you feel like you've sinned and you don't want to feel guilty. Oh, God, I, I messed up again. God, please forgive me. And then, Amen. And you walk away and you're like, okay, cool. I prayed about it. I'm good. That was my, right? And it, it literally is. It's a ritual that you do to make yourself feel better. None of those things are relationships. And suddenly your prayer life is about as exciting as going to the ATM. Maybe you need to do it. You know you should do it. You don't have any money, but it's boring, and it's like a hassle. And if your phone could just dispense money with your online banking app, like that would be the best thing in the world, right? But that can be the way our prayer lives start to become if they're not there yet. Where when you think about God's ultimate vision, man, God's vision was that this would be something effortless. This would be something so easy. So simple. You're like, how could that possibly be simple? There's never been anything that's ever told me that prayer should be simple. Well, if you know how God feels about you, that can eliminate some of that stress right off the bat. God loves you. Your prayer life is not you trying to convince God to like you. Right? We can pray that sometimes. Where you like, you kind of sense the tone of your prayers. If you were to think back, you're like, I just spent the last 30 minutes trying to convince God that I'm an okay guy and he should really like me. It's like, no, that's, that's already happened. God already likes you. That's the part why he's listening to you. That's the part why you exist. God decided that he absolutely in his heart needed you to exist in this world. So that he could have the possibility of having this relationship with you. The proof of why God wants you to talk to him is the very fact of why you exist. And it's funny that when you love someone that much, you just, you like the things that they like. You become interested in the things that they're interested in. You're like, well, what do I talk to God about? Well, what do you like? I 
happen to like the Eagles. So I talk to God often about the Eagles and their woes at different positions. Right? But you think about this happens in real life automatically. This happens in other relationships with people that you love deeply. You start to like the things that they like. For all the married brothers out there, this is very evident in your life. There are things that your wife likes that maybe when you got married, you told yourself, I will never like that. And now you find yourself in that situation. When Olivia and I got married, her favorite TV show is this old uh, show called Gilmore Girls. This is the part where I get really vulnerable in the lesson. Let me be clear. This is a girl's show. It is a show about a mom and her relationship with her daughter and their drama and their boy drama. And so when we first got married, she would turn on this show, you know, as we're kind of winding down the evenings. And I'm sitting here like, you're kidding me. Can we watch like Wipeout or some kind of neutral reality show where people are like getting hurt somehow? Like, can we... No, we're going to watch this. This is my favorite. Come on, you have to watch it with me. I watched one episode, and I'm like, this is the worst. I can't do this. They're talking too fast even. It's not. This is just, this is the worst. And so I would pull out my computer, and I would, I would be on YouTube, or I would, you know, I'd sit next to her because I'm like, I want to be with you, but I am not going to be a part of this. So you're doing your thing. But it's like every now and then you have to check in, right, as a husband. You have to check in and, like, Oh, you doing good? Yeah. Oh, wow. How many episodes have you watched right now? We're four episodes. Okay. Right? You got to, like, check in. But then it it turns into, like, they're getting in a fight or something. You're like, what are they fighting about? Well, they're fighting because she did that. You're like, that's stupid. (laughs) How many episodes have you been now? Four more? Okay. Who's that guy? Well, that's her new boyfriend. Why is she with him? Why isn't she with that other guy? This guy's a jerk. <laughs> and then pretty soon, the computer's gone, and you're just sitting there. I hate that guy. Why is he even here? What, why would she go with him? And you're like, and now you're like, I've been sucked in. What has happened? I'm Team Jess. I hate Logan. I'm like, what is this? This is just this is the worst. How did this, and you're like, this is a phenomenon. I don't know what this is. This is like the northern lights of marriage. Like it happens once a year and no one can explain it. No, it's when you love someone, you become interested in the things that they're interested in. Even their TV shows about girls. In Psalms 103, in verse 13. Bible says, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. Right? It can be effortless to have a prayer life with God because he is the one who put those things there in you in the first place. Right? He decided you needed to exist. And the things that you like, the things about you, your sense of humor, the things that inspire you, the things that hurt you. God put those things there. You know, I love watching Emily grow up because she does things every single day, something, a little thing that's new that Olivia and I will go, oh, babe, she does that just like you. Or, oh, she gets that from me. Or, 
If it's bad, oh, she definitely gets that from you. you. You know, but you see these things, and you see little pieces of yourself, like in your kids, or you know, if you have siblings, you see the similarities in you and your siblings, and it's it's incredible to watch. But we didn't put those things there, right? God put those things there. You don't get to choose them. Even with your friends in different situations, you can kind of see things that God put there that you go, that's awesome, right? When we were at Carousel Ranch yesterday morning, it was cold and windy. Like, we got there, several of us to start setting up, you know, the coffee and different things, and this old Ford truck comes driving up the road, and I'm like, oh, Kevin's here. Kevin Bloomfield gets out of his truck, beard, like, flowing in the wind, old Ford pickup, slams the door, starts walking in the mud. I'm like... He was made for this. This is where he belongs. Like, this is, this is glory right here. Or, like, later in the day, like, Roger comes up to me. and He goes, hey, man, can you, uh, I need you to spot me. I'm backing my truck up, and I just want to make sure I get it in the right area. And so he's, like, backing up his giant truck full of, like, dirt and mulch, and there's, like, all the teen brothers sitting in the back with shovels. He's backing up his truck, and he gets out. He's just standing there. I'm like, where are we right now? Like, this is, I feel so, I need, like, some plaid on or something. But you see these moments, and you're like, man, God put this here, and this is awesome. We love these things. We love seeing the things that God put in us. But those are part of God. Those are things that you get to talk to God about, that you can connect with him about, that you can relate with him about. God is your father. When he sees those things in you, man, it gets him excited. He wants to talk to you about the stuff that you love, the stuff that moves your heart and that inspires you. God likes to show his grace, number two, by answering prayers. Right? God is the perfect father. And in his nature, God is way more of a show-than-tell kind of guy. God loves to explain things a little bit, and show you in a much bigger way. God loves to show who he is by answering our prayers. He loves to show how gracious he is, how generous he is, how loving he is, the extent that he will go for you by the way that he answers prayers. In Jeremiah 33, in verse 1, Right, Jeremiah is in sort of a pickle. Jeremiah is an Old Testament prophet, and he gets arrested. And he's kind of put in house arrest in this courtyard. And in verse 1 of chapter 33, it says, While Jeremiah was still confined in the courtyard of the guard, the word of the Lord came to him a second time. This is what the Lord says who made the earth, the Lord who formed it and established it. The Lord is his name. Call to me. And I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things, things you do not know. Right? Jeremiah is under arrest, and God is telling him, dude, you just need to call on me. Like, ask me. I want to come through for your prayers. You know, in the New Testament alone, the Bible has 20 different, 20 more, 20 plus verses where it's just commanding you to ask of God. Commanding you to ask of things, to request things. Bring your petition to God. Come humbly to God and ask. It's like God is just waiting there to be asked 
to do incredible things. It's not like God is busy, like, you know, you pray, you call him up, and you get the busy signal. No, God is like on call 24-7, hoping that you're going to ask him something impossible, something ridiculous, something crazy, so that he can flex and show you how powerful he is. In Matthew chapter 7, in verse 11, Jesus says, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Right? God is, he's like, look, you know how to give good gifts to each other, to your parents, to your kids, to your friends. How much more do you think I know how to give good gifts? If you would just ask. And not just good gifts, right? God isn't just the perfect gift giver, but he's got perfect wisdom and perfect timing. It's no secret that if you pray and you ask for something, chances are God is probably not going to give it to you right that second in the exact way you pray it. And that can be frustrating sometimes for some of us who are more impatient than others. I remember when I was in college, I, one of my best friends in the ministry and I wanted to go to South Korea on a one-year challenge. In the campus ministry, they do this thing. It's called the one-year challenge where you take a year off of school. You go to another church in another country, and you serve in their ministry for a year. And I was super excited about this. My best friend at the time, he's Korean. He had been learning the language. He had inspired me. He wanted me to go with him. He's like, dude, let's start praying about this. Let's start applying for the program. We're going to go. So we did. We applied with both of us with subpar GPAs and got in. And we've been praying about it, and we've been getting advice about it and talking to people about it. And everyone that I talked to was like, bro, you shouldn't go. You need to not go. This is not good for you. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm going to go serve God in another country. You speak that language? No, it's going to be awesome. You don't understand that the language barrier is not a thing, that I can overcome that. Like, in my head, I was like, this is just the greatest thing. My parents are like, how are you going to pay for this? I'm like, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to take out a loan. It's going to be awesome. How much is that loan going to be? $20,000. How old are you? 20 years old. $1,000 for every year of my life. This is what's going to work if I go to South Korea. Like in my head, this was just this was the greatest plan. This was awesome. And two weeks before I was supposed to buy my plane ticket and be in Korea, that was 2008, that was when the housing market crashed. My dad, who was going to help me finance the trip, lost his job of 20 years. And I felt like I was standing, like, you know, in the doorway, and God just slammed the door in my face. And I was so frustrated. And I had, I, I had it out with God for several weeks of just how I had been building this up in my heart for so long, had felt like I had wrestled through so many things, gotten approval in adverse circumstances, and yet it didn't, didn't happen. It didn't come through. That even though it felt like God had been saying yes for so long, at the very end it was like, we're not doing that. And the reality is, is that no parent gives their child everything they ask for when they ask it. None of us got that. That produces... Entitled, spoiled, bratty children with no sense of patience or value. or you know, That's not who God wants us to be. 
Sometimes the answer is no to protect us from ourselves. Sometimes it's no to give you a better sense of direction, to make you examine your own heart, or even just to perfect your character. But God is willing to say no when we really want the answer to say yes for our own good. And just because God says no, that doesn't change the fact that God wants to give us good gifts and that God always answers. I think that's something that we really got to look at. You know, I remember praying prayers like, God, I want to be, want to have a girlfriend. Like, what's up with this? Why don't I have a girlfriend? I'm in the campus ministry. I feel like I'm attractive. I feel like these things are going well. Like, why don't I have a girlfriend? I'm praying. God, I've prayed this prayer and you haven't answered. And I, now I look back and I imagine God's like, dude, I did answer. The answer was no. Like, shut up and move on. Like, no. That is the answer. It's not like I'm ignoring you. You just don't like what I said. Right? God, there's always three possible answers when you're praying to God. Yes, no, and not yet. The problem is, it takes maturity to understand not yet doesn't mean no. Right? We see that in our kids. It takes maturity to understand that not yet doesn't mean no. There's a spiritual maturity that we've got to have when we pray, where we have to understand that. We have to connect with God is not trying to deny you if it doesn't happen right away. Maybe what God's saying is, no, not yet. You're not ready for this. You don't know what you're asking. And in fact, if I were to give this to you right now, this might be a disaster. And for a lot of us, you can look back on times in your life when maybe God said not yet. Or maybe God said no. And you can think about, well, if God had said yes, that would have been a shipwreck. Like a hot garbage fire of just my life. Like the Korea situation, I look back now, and where I was at spiritually during that time, now, looking back, right, hindsight, looking back, if I would have gone to that church for a year, especially having later made a ton of friends in the church and had them explain to me kind of the situation, like, I I don't think I would have made it. I genuinely think I probably would have lost my faith and walked away from God. Had I gone and I would have done so being 20 years old with now twenty thousand dollars in bank loan debt and still three years out of getting my degree. I look at that and I go, wow, if God would have given me that. That would have been a disaster. And it took me having to wrestle through that with God in order to see that later and to have that kind of patience in James chapter four and verse two. Bible says you do not have because you do not ask. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. So when you spend what you get on pleasures, God is concerned about our motives. God's concerned about our hearts and making sure that what he's giving us is what's best for us. Not just what we want. But what we need. I love looking back on prayers like that because I go, wow, God, God helped me to dodge bullets in my life. He saved me from myself so many times. That makes it now when when I pray, I I have to sit back and go, dude, you got to trust God. God has already gotten you through so much. You just got to trust that these things 
are going to happen, that God still loves you and wants to show you his grace by answering prayer. And finally, prayer can be effortless because God longs to be close to us. You know, in September, Olivia and Emily went on like a mother-daughter vacation with her mom and her aunt from Ohio, and they went to Sedona, Arizona for a cup for, what was it? It was a week, six days, something like that. And it was the longest that I had been apart from Olivia, second longest time I'd been apart from Olivia in our entire marriage. And it was the longest time I'd ever been apart from Emily. And initially I was like, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to hang out with the guys all the time. I'm going to stay up late. I'm not going to watch Gilmore Girls. I'm going to do, I'm going to watch Vikings or something. Like I have to redeem myself a little bit. I'm just going to watch videos of guys getting punched in the face. It's going to be awesome. And literally by day three, I'm calling Aaron and I'm like, bro, I'm so discouraged. Like, I feel so depressed. Because there was something in me that was like, man, being apart from them, from someone I love so deeply for so long, man, it weighs on you. And you start counting down the days, right, until you're going to see them again. And you start thinking of and coming up with, man, I'm going to talk to him about this, and I've got to tell him about this, and I can't wait. We're going to talk for hours, right? You do this with your best friends. Your best friends go away for the summer when you're in the campus or the teens or and you can't wait for them to come back. You're like, tell me everything. And they tell you enough. And you're like, no, no, no. Tell me, what did you eat? How long did you sleep? What shows did you watch? Like, tell me. I care about, I want to know everything. Right? We're, we're very much like that. Because we love these people. They're close to us. We long to be close to them. How long was God waiting for you? Like, how long was God waiting for your ancestors to be born after he made the earth? And then waiting for, you know, generations until your grandparents were born. And then orchestrating those things just perfectly so that your parents would be born. Even if they were born in different countries, different sides of the earth. And then how long God had to, you know, pull the strings in order to get them to to hopefully run into each other. So that maybe they would fall in love. And that maybe you would be born. And then years and years and years later, however many that was that took you to be in this seat. How long has God been waiting to hear about your life? How many things does God have that he wants to tell you or ask you or just hear from you? when we think about our normal relationships, let alone the creator of the universe. And God longs to be close to us. In John chapter 15, in verse 15, Jesus says, I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me. But I chose you. I chose you. Guys, God longs to be close to us. Prayer, man, God was waiting for the day, the first time that we would open up our mouths and and desire to talk to him. And so as we continue on in these 40 days of prayer, I want to challenge us, all of us. If you're sitting in here, I want to challenge you to throw out any 
previous ideas or knowledge or training or conception that you've had of prayer. I want you to just completely disregard it for the next 40 days. And I want to challenge you to approach God with an openness, with a vulnerability, with a willingness to go places that maybe you've been too afraid to go up to this point in your life. To have conversations with God about the things that you like. To remember that God loves it when you talk to him. That God is waiting to answer your prayers, to prove to you who he is. And to remember that God longs to be close to you. Guys, if we can do this for the next 40 days, none of our relationship with God is going to look the same. It's going to be completely transformed into invulnerability in ways that we can barely imagine. Let's pray and let's make it so. Amen? Amen.